This is Team Time, your weekly Q&A session to building better teams and leadership practices. This series of episodes is part of the Better Teams podcast, hosted by me, Vincent, and Max. Thank you for being here with us. Have a good listening. Hi, Vincent. Hi, Max. Hi, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening today. Um, today is going to be a little bit different because uh, I'll be the one asking the question and I'll be the one listening to the answers from Vincent. Yes. And today, Vincent, I would like to discuss about, uh, about a topic which keeps on coming back, especially uh, with teams and project teams, technical teams, or really any teams in business, but also in sport or in life in general. Mm-hmm. And this topic is the topic of retrospectives. Yeah. So, yeah, I think uh, we all know that these are uh, very valuable uh, events or even ceremonies, as we call them in the, in in the Scrum. Scrum framework. Yeah. But yeah, I would like to, to have your, um, your input mm-hmm. on, on this topic. And the first thing for me is really to try to understand, okay, why are retrospectives so important for a team? Yeah, yeah you're right. Because I mean, what you said now is you said we, we all know that it's, these are important events or ceremonies. I'm not so sure that everybody knows. So it's, I think it's, it's mm-hmm. good to start with that question indeed. Right. You know, the best teams in, in any field or sector being in, in sport, business, anywhere, Uh, I think the best teams are the ones who perform well and where people enjoy working together, right? Uh, I would say so. Mm-hmm. Where, where teams, team members feel a good connection. When I mean, if it's a fun team, if it's a fun work environment, I guess it's even better. But at least for, to me, great teams, it's where people have a clear sense uh, of the value they bring in uh, and on how they can contribute and collaborate uh, in the team dynamics. And precisely retrospective sessions, they are key for that because essentially their key, their core purpose is to improve team dynamics. So doing a retrospective, it is basically taking the time to inspect and assess how you are doing as a team. Uh, so what basically what you are happy about uh, and what you would like to keep or improve, what you don't want to do anymore uh, and what you will commit to next. Uh, so okay. to me, a retrospective, and there are many definitions of it, but a retrospective is meant to help you improve and develop uh, process and practices to make them more effective and enjoyable. And sometimes, and I don't think you will, you will uh, tell me that I'm wrong on that, uh, sometimes you read that it takes time. Uh, to build great teams. And I don't think this is necessarily true. In fact, time time will not give you a great team. Uh, you and I, we see every week uh, senior teams that are not mature, in fact, not, not necessarily performing, not necessarily happy. Uh, so if time is not necessarily the, the one key element that will help, I think retrospective sessions will help. And you can think about it that way. Uh, we, we all every team we rush we tend to rush from one project to another one project to the next uh like like a basketball team playing games after games without ever stopping or an orchestra or a music band only playing on stage without taking the time to to rehearse Mm -hmm. uh and i mean Would you would you go would you go and see an orchestra or a band that would never rehearse? Uh, I mean, would you yeah, pay for it? A, I think that I think that's a good point. Now, huh? what, what you're saying here, I mean, 
I would say if I would challenge you a bit here, yeah. I would say that uh, time is important. I mean, it's still important, but it's really about what do you do with that time? Yeah. Because, uh, of course, teams have been playing collectively for for a long time and they know each other really well. Of course, they got an edge over uh, newly formed teams, but yeah. it's really about what did they do with it in that practice? Yes. So just to reply to your question, then yes, uh, if I would go to see an orchestra who just came together yesterday, yeah. probably there would be a little bit of synchronization issues. Yes. Yeah, of course, it's 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 really about what you do with the time you have. Uh, I completely agree. But when I hear you need time to shape great teams, I'm like, yes, but what do you do with that time? But if you don't go to see a football game, basketball game, where, where, where players never really practice, never really re reflect on their practice, it should sound weird uh, that companies actually actually do that, uh, that teams for, for many, many companies, not all of them, of course, but uh, many, uh, teams must be effective and performing. There is that pressure and it's kind of normal. You you expect your team to be effective. Um, it's actually even worse, I think. Uh, I've, I've talked to uh, several operational teams. It's worse for operational teams because for many managers, uh, giving these teams the time to do a retrospective, which is again, basically stopping and reflecting, it looks like a loss of money. You know, so it's. Um, but I think it's worth uh, reversing that that thinking, and remember the money you lose by having a band on stage that never analyzes his practices, learn and improve. People won't won't show off. People won't show up to see that. Uh, but it might come, but only once. Uh, yeah, 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 they will never come back <laughs> because it's but it's it, horrible. So a retrospective it's, to me, it's a sorry, it's just a small investment with almost immediate return on, of value because you want your team to uh, take that very little bit of time to think reflect improve uh, otherwise they never they will never really progress I would like to dive a little bit into the into yeah. the key components of retrospective because yeah. if you, for instance, look at a sport team, you know we we know that uh, sports team are are re rewatching games, for yeah. instance, you know like the the movie of a game, right? You know, yeah. so how it was, uh, okay, th that's how I pass the ball and everything, but it feels very very passive. So is that enough to just watch a replay, or do you need to really? have those conversations about okay what was your intention when mm -hmm. you passed the ball that way or that way so wh yeah. what are the key components of a, of a good retrospective yeah, yeah you're right uh no it's not enough you must be active which is actually interesting if, if, if in sport i mean i'm not an expert of sport but i think they also some teams also watch uh other teams uh playing which is also interesting and you analyze your opponent's Uh, strategies, which is even less done, I think, uh, in, in business. But, um, okay, key components. Uh, before I get into that, I think if you come back to business uh, issues, business context, the look and feel of a retrospective and the impact of a retrospective is really going to depend on the way your company is organized. And I think it's worth mm -hmm. talking about that first because it, it really depends on the, the level of freedom and autonomy uh, that teams have in your organization. It makes a big difference. Uh, so for example, uh, and I'm going to try to speak to everybody here, uh, if you have a rather horizontal organization, if you have, if your teams are self-organized, self-managing, or getting close to that at least, because I mean, not everybody, not every teams can achieve that or have that room of freedom. But if your level of autonomy as a team is high or quite high, then I think 
all you need to do for a great retrospective is just gathering the team frequently, start questioning your process uh, and get valuable lessons to improve that you will then implement. Uh, so basically what you need is team and time, quite easy. But if on the other side you feel the effects of a hierarchy on your team, if it's a more vertical organization, like many companies on these days still, then you first need to, I think, I really think you, need, you first need to get the buy-in of whoever in whoever is the person in charge it's going to be very important for you to have such a sponsorship uh, because otherwise you cannot make if you cannot make any decision you cannot commit as a team so you cannot progress you cannot learn you cannot improve let's say if the outcome of a retrospective is that a process must change if you decide collectively that there must be a change in the process you don't want your collective decision to be invalidated later on by some people in management uh, and you don't you also don't want to spend all your retrospective wondering and arguing over whether or not your management will accept your decisions so first you need to get the managers buy-in even get him get him or her on board for the retrospective ask her or him to come to come over and check on what is discussed what is what would be the decisions But I think it would be a big mistake not to do that and things will turn really bad and or at the very minimum be completely useless if you cannot be in control of everything you decide. That is key for me. And apart from these considerations, because I think behind your questions, you you wonder what you can do to really design and facilitate a powerful, impactful retrospective, right? Yeah, but this uh, this first element is already uh, really yeah. important. It is, it is. Yeah. Um, I might challenge you a bit on that one yeah, because yeah. Uh, just for precisions, mm-hmm. I think what, what you said is very interesting. So uh, for the retrospective to be impactful, you need to, um, to have the right mandate. Yeah. So would you say that maybe a previous step or uh, a prerequisite to the retrospective would be that uh, a proper delegation rules are put in place so essentially that the team and the manager have already decided that um, the team has full authority or at least uh, a very strong authority so a very high level of delegation mm-hmm. on what comes out of the retrospective so that you know it's very clear and that they yeah. can move forward this could be a step right this could yeah. be an interesting step before that Yes, yeah, it's very important. Uh, so delegation poker, something like that could help. Yeah, why not? I mean, it's going to depend a lot in uh, depending on your company, organization or context. Don't ignore that. Uh, you know, when I come from, uh, when we do sessions, like retrospective sessions, or when we come from like you and I sometimes just for a short, just for retrospective, you know, we don't know well the company or the organization. You just come to a team and, and, and you want to help them organize, design, facilitate a retrospective it's always going to be a problem if in the end you don't have the mandate there is no point i mean even if you are really in as a team if you are really keen and honestly convinced that a retrospective is good for you the point is to commit on things and to improve if you cannot commit on what you've decided collectively it's not going to work so yes you need to have a mandate you need to have it can be a simple discussion with your managers saying okay we need this retrospective time we need to be able to transform ourselves commit develop better practices do you trust us so of course to be really precise what you said having a delegation poker or um, building a delegation board before can be really interesting uh, to guide you to give you limits as well so that you know in advance that 
you cannot decide on everything. So it's it's really going to be important, I guess. It's a really good, interesting way to do it with your manager when your management to ask what can we decide? On what can we have an impact? What is out of our scope of decision? If that is clear firsthand, well you're good to go. Otherwise if you cannot do that or if you want to start first and try at least have the decision maker with you during the retrospective uh, have this person with you to say at every point okay this is interesting guys but you can't decide that on your own so okay so essentially yeah. essentially if it's uncharted territories then it's yeah. better to have the manager in yes. the discussion yes have so him that, uh, ask him yeah. ask her Uh, otherwise it's never going to work and it's the same I would say it's the same for every any innovation what we call innovation event uh, if you do a hackathon if you do like anything where you want to challenge the statu quo and improve get a decision maker on board otherwise everything would be at the very minimum useless because you will learn afterwards that your decision cannot go anywhere and and then the problem is the more you do that the more you um how can I say that? You dilute. I mean, you, you have a, the less impact and the, the more angry or frustrated people become. Because if you do that, you, you kind of destroy the whole, the core purpose of retrospective. So people will tend to think that retrospectives are not useful and not working well. When in this case, it's not a retrospective problem. It's an organization problem or delegation problem or clarity problem. It's not clear what you can decide. Absolutely. I think it's uh, just to rebound what you just said. Mm -hmm. Indeed, I mean, if at the end the team cannot commit, although uh, the clarity is there because they know exactly what has to be to be done and what should be achieved, but without the buy-in, you can't commit. So, yeah. Yeah, it's no, actually it's, coming um, back to commitment. And uh, I'm saying that to the people listening, we have a, a specific episode on commitment. Uh, so go check it out that's a commercial moment <laughs> <laughs> well, every, everything is related right yeah and i think we always uh you know link back to the topic that we have explored because uh everything is related it's all about um, the bettering of the team uh, or the yeah. betterment i'm not sure what the right term is yeah. in english <laughs> so yeah but um i think you know you you've touched a bit um the part about the frustration maybe mm -hmm. and uh sort of you know um in, what's building up to to get to that um to that clarity of what we want to change yeah and uh, <clears throat> i would like to rebound on that because i'm wondering uh should conflicts you know be encouraged yeah or tamed you know during during retrospective because mm -hmm. those are questions that we get quite often you know should the retrospective be all joyful peaceful moment yeah. or assuming that there is the right um, ingredient in place should conflict be encouraged even you know yeah that's a really important question people especially in business context tend to fear conflict and i understand uh, and people in general tend to a lot of people would prefer avoiding conflict because depends on how you see it i think the question of should I encourage or should I tame a conflict in my retrospective is not really the question I would ask. I think what's at stake really is how to make sure that everyone is the team is driven to improve processes and team dynamics. If you can really make sure that people are really driven to that process improvement, team dynamics improvement, 
then you can really, you must, I think, I really, I'm, I'm really saying that you must welcome conflict. You must encourage conflict as long as it's about improving how you work and finding the best ways to work together. If I yeah. understand well, so as long as the conflict is related to the, the pursuit of the best possible solution to the problem, then that's okay as long as yes. it's personal, essentially. Yes, conflict is bad when it comes down to people arguing over personal things. Most of the times in the heat of the moment, we get to be confused a bit about that. We fear that people might start arguing over personal things. Uh, and sometimes it's the case, but just go back to the common good, to the common sense, so saying people, okay, we, we are not here to talk about that. We're here to search for the best ways for us as a team to work together. But you want, you don't want to avoid conflict because conflict to me is a sign of passion and, and you want your team to be passionate about what they do. Something you said in the previous episode, you talked about encouraging respectful dissent. And I think it's almost an English way to say it, I think, a respectful dissent. Like, let's argue over things, but respectfully. Uh, I think you, you, you go nowhere uh, with artificial consensus. That would be dangerous. And may, again, many uh, innovation events, many brainstorming, they are all about that. Building artificial consensus, making sure that we don't get into challenging statu quo, we don't rock the boat. And I mean, it's, it's, it's a shame. If you really want to move forward, uh, you need to challenge that, I think. But again, it must be for the greater good and for the best of the team in terms of process and team dynamics. Yeah, and I mean, I think um, when it comes to conflicts, of course, the main ingredient is to have the right psychological safety in the yeah. team. So yeah. if we go back to the topic of maturity in the team, I mean, of course, the team was, which is already quite mature and people know each other, they've been working together, they respect each other, they feel like they can be vulnerable with each other. I think it's much easier to get into a, a conflict which does not escalate towards personal issues, you know. Mm. So it's, uh, you know, if you look at the, at the Team Pitfalls workshop that we organize for uh, for our clients for instance I mean the retrospective is the most important part of the um, of the workshop and um, when we organize them for let's say a recruitment event and people don't know each other we know that they are more in this early forming phase of the team so they won't really give feedback to each other uh, you know at least not very blunt yeah you know what I mean so they won't uh, they won't enter into a conflict right but when we see clients who have teams working together for five years or more and they don't enter into conflict I think that a red flag you know at least something that is worth investigating in the retrospective because okay why were you uh, you know kind of uh, holding back since you've been working together for so long we could expect uh, a certain maturity in the in the relationship and therefore constructive conflict yeah but yeah it's quite an important uh, component i would say yeah you are listening to the better teams podcast thank you i hope you enjoy it did you know that my co-host max is very active on youtube He produces weekly videos to share practical content for first-time leaders directly from his extensive experience. If you like to discuss management and leadership topics, you should definitely check it out. Go to Max Castera on YouTube after this episode, of course. But for now, let's go back to our conversation. Okay, now we looked. You know, we, we we've looked at okay, should you encourage or not conflict? This kind of aspects. We we looked at the key components of retrospective. Mm -hmm. But then, I mean, how do you define success for retrospective? I mean, how when do you know that you did well? You know. Yeah, that's uh, that's an important question as well. Um, I would say two things here. First, a good sign that it's it was a successful moment for the team is when everyone can feel that they have expressed themselves and when everyone is satisfied. I mean, it can sound easy to say or. Uh, 
but I think it's important if you have if everyone is satisfied at the end of the retrospective because you you felt like you move forward it's all it's it's a good sign but that's on the more subjective uh, side of the of the topic on a more objective one it's a success if you have at least one clear item one clear concrete actionable goal that you are going to implement and test to improve team dynamics i think a mistake maybe that some teams do is to consider that retrospective should be just um, a discussion you know we open up we think reflect we stop and of course it is that but uh, at the end you need to really consider it as a process for you to get a clear item something you really want to implement and to try right away the next week the next day and see if it works for you so you need that item so you need you need something actionable the result the outcome of a retrospective must be something actionable that you're going to try to improve your team dynamics either either in terms of process ways of working um, to make it more fun enjoyable to work together and i think i would like to to add something in the in the key component of of retrospective to make it successful it's, it's really important to Uh, design your retrospective thoughtfully. I really don't think you need to be an expert in education or you need to be a coach or be certified in anything to to do a retrospective. Anybody can do it, I think, but um, you need to design it thoughtfully. Uh, So that's why sometimes you want to start with an expert or I can help, for example, or give advice because I have some uh, experience in that. But there are mainly two points here I think we want to take into consideration. First, you want everyone to express themselves. You need everyone's input during the retrospective. And second, you want answers, you want ideas, you want decisions for specific problems or situations in your team. And these two points, these two considerations will influence a lot how you design and how you facilitate uh, your um, your retrospective. My way, for example, if I can share it uh, with you, and uh, and I'm, I'm also starting to, I also started to do some tutorials on retrospective. So if you want to dig into that and dig into templates and stuff, uh, stay tuned because I'm uploading uh, videos of that specifically about retrospective. But my way, for example, to get everyone involved, to get everyone to express themselves is to make sure that nobody talks at first which seems weird or counterintuitive maybe, but I I ask people to answer simple questions by writing first. When I do that, I don't have to worry about introverts or extroverts. Everybody is writing. And then I will design ways to share information, to select uh, valuable information by voting, for example, so that from many inputs, as many inputs as the team can give, the team can start shaping a few concrete actionable items. That's for having everybody involved. And to make sure that I get ideas and actionable items out of sometimes a very complex situation or very complex questions, I make sure to phrase accessible questions, which is also something hard. When, I'm not, I'm not, uh, when I said you don't need to be a coach or, or to be an expert, uh, you, you do need to put some effort here in the way you phrase sometimes questions or you help your team phrasing questions. You must be careful uh, for them not to be too big or not too hard to answer. Uh, and I, I kind of forged this, this concept, if I may say that, uh, of affordable questions. Because to me, every question you ask has some sort of a symbolic cost, uh, in a way, in terms of 
if you think if you think more about that in terms of energy is going to cost you to answer the question in terms of focus even even pain sometimes if you remember you talked about the uh, team pitfalls workshop we facilitate together uh, originally when i was watching you uh, do the retrospective at first before stepping in more um, i i often watch you ask questions to the participant and wait for the for a direct answer that's that was kind of your way to uh, a very uh, consultant way of, of leading the, the discussion and i'm not judging here huh? it's it's uh, most of the time many people do that because it's it's simply it's simpler uh, and, and it makes more sense at first you think okay i'm asking question and they're going to get they are going to answer me and we'll, we'll have that back and forth direct dialogue but um some questions are simply sometimes too big too hard to answer not realistic it's not realistic to expect some answers so they are not affordable you ask too much from people especially after a workshop if i can give you one example maybe to make that a little bit clearer in these days with the covid 19 situation you read a lot of articles encouraging you to think about a better world or better better ways of working or like really to make the most of this challenge to change you should change okay fine the questions usually that they ask is They encourage you to ask yourself, what can I learn from this COVID-19 challenge? This question, for example, to me, and I wrote an article about it a few days ago, it's too big. It's not affordable. If I ask you that, okay, what can you learn from this challenge, for this COVID-19 situation? It's too big. I'm not going to get any good answer from you. What well, you need... Speci- yeah. Sorry. No, no, go, go, go. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, as a parent, huh? I want to jump in. <laughs> Please do. I, I think it's, um, it's especially disturbing when you see questions like this, because, I mean, a lot of people out there are just trying to survive. And I'm not talking about yeah. um, fighting the disease itself, but also, I mean, you know, being at home with the kids and trying to juggle that with your professional life, you know, when, when you have the chance to be able to... To work from home i mean that's quite a challenge so mm-hmm. i think this adds you know a cost and to to what you what you mentioned about yeah. affordability that's yeah. what i wanted to say yeah, yeah, yeah. i mean the, my best advice here if you have if, if your goal if your end goal and this is very important sometimes your goal is different and your goal is going to give you a direction uh, so that you can design something uh, so put a little bit of effort here not to go too fast and ask the question directly that would be a mistake so if your goal is what can i learn from this covid-19 situation what can i how can i help my team come up with answers to that big question first you need to break it down into more accessible more affordable questions step by step and it can be really easy your first step can be okay a set of questions like uh, what are you happy about what uh, are you frustrated about that situation so you know first easy steps these questions are easy you know what you're happy about these days you know what you're frustrated about you know what's painful you know what's bringing you joy uh, and these these very first questions will give you some information and you can process that information and, and move forward to move towards more uh, complex questions more interested more interesting questions um, so your process and the sum of your questions will lead you to rich and interesting results just don't come up and ask this question directly it's it's simple to do that but you won't get any result you will see like people will start sweating uh, and bleeding or crying because i mean or just they will do nothing they will be passive looking at you like i don't have the answer to that Do you? No. So leave me alone. That, that's kind of the, the um, reactions you really want to avoid in a retrospective, I would say. 
Well, I would say it's it's interesting also the, the way you framed it because um, yeah, sometimes positive events you know lead to um, negative impact for you, mm -hmm. and sometimes that's the opposite. I mean, if we look at the COVID nineteen uh, personally, for instance, you know, I I very much enjoy the um, the interaction with people. I think that's that's well known. <laughs> yeah. Um, but what's interesting is that you know, for instance, starting this this podcast altogether, you know, is uh, is taking myself out of my comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And the fact that I don't, um, when we publish an episode, <laughs> the fact that uh, the day after I don't have to face people physically, um, people who might have listened to it, you know, I think that makes it easier, you know, to kind of uh, get rid of the imposter syndrome or uh, get rid of mm. this feeling that, you know, I really put myself out there, you know. Yeah. So I think in a way it helps the fact that uh, that we're stuck home now. You know, for me to kind of, yeah. you know, find the, the courage to, to yeah. publish this podcast. And I think it's going to get easier, of course, you know, that, that's how it works, right? Mm. But uh, somehow the, um, the confinement, you know, helped me. Uh, and I mean, I don't know about you, but at least for me, it helped to, to push this thing out. You yeah. know, to have the, the courage to, to push this thing out. So it's, well, uh, it's counterintuitive, but it's the case. I mean, I think the, it, it brings interesting questions. Huh? It's, uh, because it could, it could be a question for retrospective for yourself or if you had a team. <laughs> like, sure. how, how, might I, how might I or how might we um, dissipate that feeling of uh, being an imposter? And, mm -hmm. and these are interesting questions because then you start thinking, okay, maybe I don't, maybe I feel like I, I'm not preparing enough. Or maybe, I don't know, it will lead you to very concrete, specific items again that you things you can tweak and see if it makes a difference yeah, uh, we should do that once once we get back to the office and we yeah. see each other we'll <laughs> yeah <laughs> we can do that yeah no but it's a it's a it's a very good point um but i mean now you gave really clear examples and and advice tips you know about okay how to to make um, a successful retrospective you know mm -hmm. but um how do you make it last because Typically, if you take the example, you know, of a Scrum retrospective, you know, so every two weeks or three weeks, depending the size of the sprint, you know, you have this event with the team when you analyze things and, and decide on the corrective course of actions. Of course, you're going to meet again, you know, in, in two, three weeks again to, yep. to analyze how it went and everything. But how do you make sure this is lasting? Because assuming that in the next sprint or in the next, uh, again, I'm taking this example because it's, uh, it's easier, but maybe for people listening who don't know Scrum, let's say, um, how do you make sure in between the retrospective that uh, you took the right action? How do you keep tabs of that? You know, how do you, um, what are the KPIs, so to speak, to make sure that you're removing in the right direction? I mean, Mm. because people open up so you you ask them to to really open about um, what they feel could be improved and, and also yeah. they really put themselves out there so how do you make sure that this is worth it you know okay um i think there are there are two questions in your question here uh how do you make it last and how do you measure or assess the impact of your decisions over time um, yes indeed yeah yeah so how do you make it last um again i would say it's um There are two things to take into consideration here. Uh, and it's a, I have a good news is that if your retrospective has been well designed uh, and if you, if you apply everything I tried to share with you today here, it will last 
Why? Because the benefits will last. Why? Because first, again, I say it again, at the end of your retrospective, you need to commit. The team is committed clearly to a specific goal. Uh, if you are a scrum team, uh, it's even easier uh, because you have a, what we call a backlog. It's a set of um, items regarding a product or a service you're developing. The item specifically about improving process and team dynamics will be one of them. So like designing a, a new button or like anything, you take it as seriously as that. Improving your team dynamics, it is one of these items you're going to implement and test over the next week or next two weeks, depending on how regularly you do this retrospective. So you commit. Um, the second natural benefit of a good retrospective is that your team decided for itself what was good. Uh, and that makes a huge difference. Uh, you know, many studies have proven that uh, when a group decides, makes decisions, uh, or um, everything a group decides, let's say that way, everything a group decides for itself has a lot more chances to, to last and to be effective just because they decided collectively, they agreed. It's, it's, we, we experience that a lot together. And that's what I, I love it so much when I, I have like people reflecting together and boosting this collective thinking is because when people collectively agreed on something, even sometimes the way a sentence is phrased, like moving a comma from one point to another, but they agreed, they will never go against it afterwards because collectively they said yes we want this to happen and you cannot have more powerful than that that being said uh, you can be wrong as a team uh, sometimes which is why it's very important to uh, test to com when you commit you test you try um, and after one week after two weeks of testing you go back uh, and at the beginning of your retrospective you can say okay two weeks ago we decided that we would try this did it work like simple questions did it work yes did we, uh, were we happy about it did it did, do you think it had an impact on it it doesn't have to be um, complicated metrics or uh, I mean it can be if your decision was a, was linked to productivity for example if you increase your productivity well good you have you have um, you have numbers you have proofs um, but if it's not if it's just a, if it was a matter of if it was a matter of um, feelings or feeling better feeling more included at work or these kind of topics uh, just asking people if it made a difference can be interesting and if it didn't well at least you learn it wasn't the best options and very often when you commit to an item in the retrospective uh, it was your first choice but sometimes you have a second and third and sometimes fourth choice. Uh, I mean, you're free to try the second choice and to say, okay, the first choice didn't work. Let's try the second option. Um, so how do you make it last? Again, specific goal, have people involved, um, have them make decisions for themselves. It's very powerful. Uh, and how do you measure? Bring it on the table one week or two weeks afterwards after to say, okay, uh, where are we now regarding that matter? And if it's good, celebrate. Because, I mean, you, you improve. Take time to celebrate. And if it's not good, take your second option and then move on to um, the next uh, thing you would like to improve. That's what I would say. Okay, really well. Look, there is, um, I think it was, I believe it was um, Malcolm Gladwell, you know, the author, who said once that uh, to become an expert at something, you need to, um, to do it 10,000 hours. Mm -hmm. So um, from what I understand from what you just said, 
and from this entire episode is that uh, being a team for 10,000 hours is not enough to be an expert team, but uh, practicing in a retrospective for 10,000 hours for a team probably will bring you very close to that. Yeah. Would you say that uh, <laughs> that that might work out? I don't know if you need that many hours, actually. Uh, <laughs> it's um, to me, to me, what, what really matters is not, not even to get the answers uh, to the questions you ask. I mean, I'm exaggerating a bit because I know every, I said at the very beginning that uh, uh, it's a luxury it can appear to be a luxury to take that time uh, which I really think it's not huh? it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it, can, it will have really strong return uh, of, on investment but uh, what I want to say here is even if you couldn't get the, the answers you expected from that exercise every time what's good in this is you, you, you're taking the habit the habit of asking questions, opening up, uh, challenging the statu quo, being more innovative and and really reflect like refusing to to stay at the level you're at 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 that moment. You're always taking time to improve, look back a bit because it's really what it meant. In retrospective it's looking looking a bit back over your shoulder and saying, okay, we we did this we created this we improved the service the product fine but how did we do it as a team and what does it say about us uh, and what do we want for us to keep on being better uh, and that i think it's it's um something that people want to look forward and it does you don't need like hundreds and thousands of hours of practice it's just it's going to come really quickly i think it's quite addictive as well um i think when you start doing this uh because it's really an open time open moment to um to reflect and define who you want to be as a team uh yeah i think it's it, it comes really easily all right well i think that's um that's a perfect way to end this and i okay. certainly hope that uh, our listeners will uh, will make the best of this yeah and i propose that uh, now we organize our own retrospective about the podcast <laughs> yeah, thank we you can, Vincent. we can do that thank you maxim bye thanks everybody for listening if you like this podcast uh, please give it a good review you can leave a comment, ask us questions uh, regarding team building, team development, uh, and we will address them uh, in the next episode. You can also follow the Team Pitfalls page on LinkedIn. We publish content every day regarding team development and leadership. And again, comments are more than welcome. Please interact with us. Thank you for listening. See you in the next episode.